Listener Production. Hello, welcome to The Briefing. It is Thursday, February 25, and a group of sports people are speaking out about climate change. They're concerned that our summer sporting traditions are under threat by rising temperatures. You know, I play AFLW, that's a a summer sport, and and at the moment, you know, it looks like by 2040, temperatures could be reaching 50 degrees plus, which it just means we literally won't be able to play. You know, the risk of heat stroke is going to be too high. Will climate change destroy summer sport? That is our briefing topic in just a moment. First, Ali Spicer is here with some very exciting news. Huge news early this morning. Brisbane has been announced as the preferred candidate to host the 2032 Olympic Games. This uh, commission recommended to uh, the executive board to enter into a targeted uh, dialogue uh, with uh, Brisbane 2032. Yeah, so that was the president of the International Olympic Committee, Thomas Bach, confirming Brisbane officials will have the exclusive rights to negotiate a deal to host the Games without competition from the other cities. So it's exciting, maybe not quite this level of excitement. The winner is Sydney. Yeah, not not quite that hyped. So Queensland has got 12 months now to convince the IOC to give them the games without the other bidders getting in the way. Yeah, and the other bidders uh, were Doha, Germany, Budapest and a joint bid by North and South Korea. (laughs) That'd go well. Very exciting news for Brisbane and Australia. And it confirms my suspicion, Sal, that coming out of COVID where we've done basically better than any other Western country except New Zealand, that... Australia's going to have a golden era. We've come out with our economy intact and now we're going to look forward to, assuming we get it, this massive big sporting and cultural moment. Yeah, exciting times. Just days into Australia's vaccine rollout and two aged care residents in Brisbane have been given four times the recommended dose of the Pfizer vaccine by a doctor who hadn't done the proper vaccine training. Healthcare Australia has now advised that the doctor had not completed the required training. Healthcare Australia has advised that all other Healthcare Australia immunisers have completed the training. That was the Health Minister Greg Hunt speaking in Parliament yesterday. It's understood the doctor may have used a whole vial on each patient and that doctor has been stood down. The 88-year-old man and 94-year-old woman are under close observation at the moment and they're believed to be doing well, which is a relief. And the Federal Deputy Chief Medical Officer Michael Kidd will review what happened. Queensland Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk is calling for an urgent National Cabinet meeting And federal Labor's also demanding answers. Here's Shadow Health Minister Mark Butler. Let's have a look at Michael Kidd's review uh, and Greg Hunt needs then to assure Australians that that this is not going to happen again. It's pretty concerning. We know that only two-thirds of Australians are certain at this point that they're actually going to get the vaccine. And, you know, we've spoken on the show here about how vaccine hesitancy is a problem and how the federal government's done a $24 million campaign for it. Tom, do do you think this is going to impact people's confidence in it? Probably not because they sorted this out very quickly. Only two people were given this um, massive dose. It could have been a lot worse. It could have been a lot more people uh, than just two. And, you know, these people are doing okay. So I think it shows that they're pretty onto it. And former Liberal staffer Brittany Higgins has now formally reopened the police investigation into her alleged rape at Parliament House in 2019. ACT police have confirmed they're investigating the incident. It comes as Defence Minister Linda Reynolds spent the night in hospital after suddenly cancelling her appearance at the National Press Club yesterday. She was the, the minister running the office where this alleged incident happened and just before she was due to speak, just hours before she was due to take questions and speak at the press club, She was taken to hospital on advice from her cardiologist and she's been placed on medical leave. 
Another big development is that Home Affairs Minister Peter Dutton was actually told about this incident before the story broke. He revealed that news in Parliament yesterday. I was advised on the 11th of February uh, and I've received updates last week and this week. Yeah, so Peter Dutton is now the third minister in the Morrison government who knew about it before it made headlines. The Prime Minister's maintained that he only knew about it when the story broke in the media. Golf legend Tiger Woods is awake, responsive and recovering from surgery after a high-speed crash near LA. Los Angeles County Sheriff's Deputy Carlos Gonzalez, who responded to the crash, says it's nothing short of a miracle that he's alive. This accident was, I would say, traumatic in many ways. Um, The speeds that made the vehicle travel the distance that it did, um, the fact that it rolled. I've seen uh, collisions that didn't look as serious where the occupants were injured much more severely. Tigers suffered multiple leg fractures which needed rods and pins. He was hoping to return to this year's Masters in April after having his fifth back surgery. Yeah, it's certainly great news that he's alive and stable, but you'd have to imagine it's going to be hard for Tiger Woods to come back to his best from this. Um, he's 45 years old and he struggled after those other surgeries. So it's a happy moment, but also a sad moment for a massive sporting legend. Definitely. Speaking of sport, we're talking about climate and the impact of rising temperature on sport in Australia. If there's a way to make Australians care about something, sport is not a bad way to do it. And this week, a number of sports people have been speaking out about climate change. This is one of them, Amy Steele. She played netball for Australia until heat stroke ended her career. Playing for Australia was my childhood dream and something I'd worked really hard on my whole life. But in 2016, it all came to a screeching halt when I suffered heat stroke playing indoors in a pre-season tournament. I was physically the fittest and strongest that I'd ever been. And I never imagined that that would be the last game of netball I'd ever play. It would be the end of my netball career. That's Amy Steele. Some of the other athletes who are speaking out include fast bowler Pat Cummins, who plays for the Australian cricket team, um, former Wallaby David Pocock, Bronte Campbell, the swimmer, and they're part of a campaign called Game, Set, Match, calling time on climate inaction. And they pointed out some pretty concerning realities in the report they've released this week. They point out that at the Australian Open in 2014, more than 1,000 spectators were treated for heat exhaustion. Last year, during the bushfires, both the rugby union and league teams in Canberra had to move their training away from Canberra because Canberra had the worst air quality in the world at that particular time. So how much will the rising climate impact Australian summer sport? Will it change the traditions we know and love here in Australia? And will this campaign make a difference? That is today's briefing topic. Shani Layton is another one of the sports people weighing in. She's a footy star with the Collingwood AFLW team. Shani, what worries you most about the impact of climate change on sport? Um, I guess for me personally, um, you know, I play AFLW at uh, a summer sport and, and at the moment, you know, it looks like by 2040, temperatures could be reaching 50 degrees plus, which it just means we literally won't be able to play, you know, the risk of heat stroke is going to be too high. And then not only that, you know, football grounds, you play outside, skin damage is one thing, but then also how dry the grounds are is going to be another, which really puts the injury of risk. Um, we already There's already a lot of ACL injuries in AFLW in particular, but you, I think you'll start to see a lot more injuries out there due to, to how hard the grounds will be. So you're speaking out along with a bunch of other well-known Aussie sports people 
What do you hope the impact is? Is it just about changing the Australian government's mind, the Australian people, or even the global community? We're just calling time on there not being enough done at this current point in time. You know, obviously, you know, there are probably policies that that need to change and, you know, we need to start cutting out those fossil fuels in coal, oil and gas and start turning to more renewable energies. As someone in sport, we know that it can be a real leader for change and I think we feel a responsibility to be able to do that. Um, and so hopefully um, we can continue to do that and also just make it more public. I think, you know, there's all this amazing stuff going on about what venues are doing to be able to have, you know, a low carbon footprint. And it just doesn't seem to be cool enough to be newsworthy, whereas I think that it really is. That was Shani Layton, Collingwood AFLW star. Uh, Let's learn more about the impact of the rising climate on sport. Dr. Martin Rice is the Climate Council's head of research, and he actually authored this report, Game, Set, Match, calling time on climate inaction. Martin, thank you for joining us. Global average temperatures are already up 1% since 1880, and most of that's happened in the last 40 years. If they continue on that trajectory and go to three or four degrees, what will that mean for Australian summers on any given day where a sporting contest might be going down? Yeah, so Australia's summer of sport is actually already under threat from climate change. So climate change driven by the burning of coal, oil and gas is worsening extreme weather events and disrupting Australian sport. So we've seen that at the Australian Open tennis with extreme heat. We've seen the cancellation of uh, big bash cricket matches because of bushfire smoke and we've seen community sport devastated by drought here in Australia. So what does it actually mean on a day-to-day basis, you know, on a given Saturday? Because someone might hear, oh, well, global average temperatures have gone up by 1% and go, well, 1% is not a big deal. But obviously the extremes move by a lot more than that. So what is the real impact on a day-to-day basis? So we've seen big disruption of Australian sports at elite level uh, with major competitions at just one degree rise in temperature. And we've seen more extreme and intense heat waves. We've seen tennis players keel over. We've seen the tour down under cycle race having to be shortened, the course shortened because of extreme weather. We've seen um, toxic air quality because of the bushfires, this is just at one degree. We're heading actually for a three or four degree world. When we look at the 2040, if we don't act on climate change, then heat waves in Sydney and Melbourne could reach highs of 50 degrees. So that's simply untenable for summer sport as it's currently played. Yeah, what does it mean for the extremes? Like if you've got a one degree average, does that mean the extremes are, you know, sometimes pushing up three, four, five degrees more? Yeah, so we, that that's right. So the, the increase in temperature by just one degree Celsius is really pushing it beyond the normal uh, weather that we see. And we're getting actually slammed by much more extreme weather here in Australia. So I, I'm up in Brisbane and um, because of climate change, we're getting more intense rainfall and flooding. We've seen Suncorp Stadium submerged in water in 2011. We saw devastating flooding up in Townsville in January 2019, and that badly affected community sports. So there were three sports clubs that had a a cost of damages uh, roughly quarter million dollars each. I mean, that's huge. So what is the logic behind this campaign? I mean, you, you could focus on 
people in you know Pacific Islands being drowned by rising waters. Um, but you've chosen with this campaign to look at the impact on sport. Is that because you you believe that's something that will really connect with the average Australian and make them care? Well, sport's really an institution here in Australia and, and our athletes and our clubs are revered. So athletes and sports can use their powerful voice for climate action. So sports clubs and codes, they can cut their emissions by looking at the ways they build venues, they power events, they travel, and they can also cut their waste. We're also seeing sports starting to rise to the challenge. So we've got big facilities like the Melbourne Cricket Ground, community venues like uh, Nillambookshire Council, they're powering their operations with solar panels. So community and professional sport can be an active part of the solution to climate change. They can essentially go for gold. Are you politicising sport? Australia is on the front line of climate change and all walks of life are being deeply affected. We just need to look at the the devastating and catastrophic black summer bushfires. And we've seen back-to-back bleaching of the Great Barrier Reef. That's greatly impacting tourism industry. It's impacting farming. Um, It's stretching the capacity of the emergency services here. Um, It's also putting the strain on athletes and spectators uh, wanting to enjoy the benefits, the many benefits of uh, summer sport here in Australia. And what do you hope getting these sports people to speak out will actually do? Is it about their voices resonating more with the Australian public than, say, climate experts? Or, Or is it about putting pressure on our politicians? Or is it even about pushing a global conversation amongst athletes to speak out and try and push a needle on this issue? Yeah, so look, if everyone's calling for action on climate change, big business is demanding action. In fact, they're moving. Um, states and territories here in Australia are moving on climate change. Firefighters are wanting action. Farmers are wanting action. And athletes are wanting action too. You know, they want to protect the game that they love um, for future generations to come. Scott Morrison sort of um, puts himself out there as a big sports nut, big Cronulla Sharks fan. Uh, Once he moved to that electorate from the eastern suburbs, that is where he liked rugby. But anyway, that to one side, uh, he's actually pushed the coalition's position on climate change forward. He said that ideally they'd like to get to net zero by 2050. Are you happy to see that? Are you happy to see the coalition moving in that direction? I think it's, it's very encouraging that the federal government is moving you know, we, we don't need words, we need action. Um, we're, we're in a climate crisis here. Um, Australian sports has been greatly disrupted by climate change. Australia, you know, when it comes to sport, we really do top the tables, we're on the podium. But when it comes to climate action, sadly, we're global laggards and we're actually at the foot of the table. So we do have an opportunity here in Australia. And that's what's really exciting. We have the solutions at our disposal. So we can be part of the solution and, and really protect the sports that we love for future generations and those now. So we want to say game, set and match and call time on climate and action. That was Dr. Martin Rice from the Climate Council. He's head of research there. And it was interesting to hear him speak. But I think it's voices like Shani's, who we heard earlier, or Pat Cummins, the Aussie cricketers, who are the kind of voices we haven't really heard speaking out on climate change before. And so that could actually shift the needle on this issue in the mind of the Australian public. 
Tomorrow on The Briefing, you will have heard a lot about Facebook and its decision to block Australian news and then its backflip on that decision. We're actually going to bring you an interview with the former boss of Facebook Australia. Listener.